Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're starting the week off right. We got a whole week ahead of us, which means if we are intentional and mindful and uh, really set a, uh, a lens, a perspective, a goal as to how we want this week to go, how we want this week to feel. More importantly, maybe how we want to move through this week, depending on what's coming. We can maybe have a more mental health centered week. I want everyone to do that every day, but also every week. Like, hey, uh, am I setting myself up towards burnout when I look at the multitude of things that I'm putting on my schedule? Maybe let me take some things off. I don't want people uh, drinking more coffee or popping adrenal gland supplements. I want them backing off of doing so much work and labor. Um, all of the meditation, yoga, green juice, coffee, caffeine, or whatever it is in the world won't prevent burnout if you're actively doing more than your system can manage. Those resources <laughs> aren't meant to help us survive within burnout. In fact, they burn us out more because it's actually more labor. What we really need to do is back off, which is why I'm always advocating for 70%. Show up with 70% for everything you do. That's, that's how we avoid burnout and making sure we look at the day ahead and also the week and make sure that there is time built in that is, number one, rooted in just rest, and I don't mean sleep. Maybe you take a nap. Maybe you take an hour and you go sit on a bench, go for a walk, lay down, take a bath, whatever it is, rest. Also, every day I want you to build in some leisure time. And I also want you to build in some joy and pleasure time, whether that's sexuality of some kind, whether that's a favorite food, whether that's watching a movie, reading a magazine, whatever it is, all every day should be allowed to have that. Our day should not be centered in just labor. So push back on your hours, have work hours, and all work needs to be done in those hours. And outside of that is your personal time where you focus on, again, some leisure, some rest, and something that gives you just joy and pleasure. Build it in. Look at the week ahead. This is how we, again, stay out of burnout. I'm working with some people that are so deeply into it, and we're trying to restructure their entire day or week, and it's very hard on them because they're not familiar with what gives them joy and pleasure. They're not familiar with how to rest in the middle of the day, and we start to talk about that, reorienting. And I love when people say everything in balance, but we live in complete imbalance. As I say on the show all the time, we don't work 40 hours and rest 40 hours. We just don't. Look at how many hours you work in a day, anywhere from six to 12. Do you rest for that amount or put joy and pleasure in that amount every day or in your hobby? No, we live completely imbalanced. I'm trying to get us just to push that needle the smallest amount because that small amount really does impact our mental health and it really does matter. I'm going to be reminding you all of that. Um, I had retweeted Something that I thought was really meaningful, um, also posted it on my social media, and that was basically just really paying attention to this idea, excuse me, that we're constantly 
asking ourselves, I'm lazy. Why am I so lazy? I shouldn't be so lazy. And no, the question is, why do you need so much rest right now? You're not lazy. You're resting. You're not lazy. You're just saturating yourself in some joy and some downtime. Isn't it fascinating that if we're not working, we think any time outside of that has to be productive or meaningful. It doesn't. And you're not lazy for watching hours of television. You're not lazy for laying around. It's called rest. It's called joy. It's called napping. We, ha- we don't have to always be participating in grind culture. And so the question is, why am I so burnt out? Why am I so tired? Not why am I so lazy? And then that usually brings you back to, I'm trying to do too much. I'm trying to do too many things for too many people. And yes, I want us to have that ethic of care and concern for others, but we have to also have a boundary so that there's only an extent to which we continue to over function. Um, that, that creates a lot of mental health issues. Cause remember your mental health is operating as a result of that, but also on top of that, we need that basic foundation. So when someone's saying I'm depressed or anxious, first thing we're looking at is what is your schedule like? <laughs> Maybe that's what's driving that. Um, I know I, I've been trying to do that in my own life. I say this on the show all the time when I'm asked to do something. My first question is, you know, is there anything, does it cause any suffering or is it oppressive to anyone? And then the second one is, does it sound fun? <laughs> if it doesn't sound fun, the answer is no. And that's a really wild perspective. And most people are floored by that. Shouldn't it be about what's best for your career, what's best for um, your finances or what's best for, yes, of course I consider all of that. <laughs> like I live in the world. I, I do have savings and retirement and I have short-term and long-term goals and I love my career and I love all the things I do. So I'm not saying like, forget all of that. What I'm saying is, Isn't it interesting how thrown off people are when you mention fun or joy or pleasure being a center point or a guide, but also add that in there a little bit. Stop doing so many things that don't sound good or fun to you. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Our lives shouldn't be just labor, housework. You know, some socialization feels like labor. I, I marvel as I'm walking around my home sometimes at how much there's always to do. Just when I think I've done it all, there's something else to wipe down or to sweep up or to fix or we're out of toilet paper and then we're out of, you know, toothpaste and it's just like it never stops. And that's why we have to build these things. And do you ever have those days where it never stops and you're like, I always need something. Maybe that's just me because I cook. So I'm always needing some strange ingredient that I'm out of, household products, because I'm always that person in the household. I, I, I do the cooking, I do the cleaning, I do the laundry. I also work a wild amount of hours. So, because uh, I like the person I'm with to be very taken care of and cared for. So I don't mind taking on the labor. And if I want something done a certain way, I do it myself. And I like a lot of things done a certain way. So I make the bed. So it's done the way I like, you know, when in doubt, just do it yourself. All right, we'll be back. We're gonna, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll give you the topic when we come back. We're talking about how to date safely. Uh, yeah, the, the things we gotta talk about these days. Stick around, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back and uh, talking tonight about how to date in a safe way. It's so wild that we have to talk about this, but we really do. And... This topic should have been discussed a long time ago because now that we have dating apps, I think it's more important that we're talking about how do you protect yourself when going out on a date or even out on a hookup, right? And there is a, uh, it's, it's, it's quite a uh, heartbreaking film, I thought. I think some people find it very dynamic. It's, for me, it's heartbreaking. It's called The, Tind- the Tinder Swindler. The Tinder Swindler. It's a mouthful. Um, I think it's Netflix, right? And it's awesome. It, well, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking, actually. It's someone who uses online apps to catfish, more importantly, steal money from people, preying upon individuals that are lonely or looking for love. And it's heartbreaking. These people's lives were destroyed. Their finances were destroyed, their identity. Uh, they lost, they're in hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. And it's easy for someone to say, how stupid were they? Well, that's what we do. And we're in love and we care for someone. And <clears throat> this swindler was quite good. So you know, we're going to be talking about how do we protect ourselves from things like that? Because, it's, you know, there's a little bit of a, um, what's the word? Incongruence. Uh, yeah, maybe that's the word. I, I want everyone to stay soft and to stay open. And every time we have a bad relational experience, it's it's easy or, or we're driven to harden and to protect ourselves and to, you know, maybe kind of throw more of a wall up, but we don't want to do that. We want to let those difficult times of sadness or mourning because someone let us down or disappointed us or, or, or a relationship ended or something didn't go the way we planned. We want to, we want to mourn that, but we want to stay soft. We want to not let these life events harden us. Yes. We want to learn. Yes. We want to set better boundaries, but we want to stay soft. Having said that the key I go back to is we also have to have boundaries though. You can stay soft and have boundaries. There's this term I used to use at the um, I used to work at a drug and alcohol treatment center part-time for about seven years running groups for healthy sex and relationships. One of the favorite things I've ever done in my career, I miss working with groups, amazing individuals, you know, stepping into sobriety or, you know, drugs and alcohol stuff and uh, just really trying to take their lives back and such a beautiful journey to get to be on. I, I love everyone I get to work with in terms of mental health, um, you know, professionally in my clinical practice, but also even on my social media, people that are sharing with me my book, um, that not sharing with me my own book, but they're sharing with me how my book has changed them and my work. Really beautiful thing that I get to be a part of. I, I value that truly. Even for even if I don't get back to you, please know I value you. It's just that I'm often living my own life and dealing with my own stuff or distracted. But my point <laughs> is that when I was at the treatment center, um, I would work with these individuals that had been through some really dark stuff, darker stuff than I hope anyone ever has to deal with while they were dealing with, you know, drug and alcohol, their problematic relationship with drugs and alcohol and learning how to 
love again, learning how to soften and be open again. And so a lot of the work was about honoring what they've been through, more doing some grief and loss work, but also learning about how to protect themselves while also staying soft. And it's difficult because it can sound very incongruent. And I would often use this term called fierce compassion. And that's born out of the work of Pema Chodron, who's an American Buddhist nun, who's um, part of the Shambhala um, Buddhist lineage and stuff is, if you haven't read Pema Chodron's stuff, it's changed my entire life and has literally saved me through my own traumatic experience that happened at the beginning of this year. Uh, truly kept me, you know, feet on the ground, head up and, and anchored. Otherwise don't really know where I'd be right now. And because you have to apply the work, like I do the work, I do the work you hear me talk about on the radio show. I do the work I talk to my patients in my, pri my private practice about. I live it. I do it. I have sticky notes around my house reminding me who I want to be, how I, I want to think, what I want to do. I have different icons and statues and pictures around my house that remind me of who I want to be, what I want to be influenced by, because I don't want to be influenced by, you know, crappy reality television and all these other things in our culture. Uh, not interested. Very thoughtful about what I follow on my social media. Very thoughtful about what, what I let my brain do digest the people I'm around. And it's very hard because in our world, a lot of people are quite sick and toxic and I'm getting off track. <laughs> so I'm going to reel it back into the treatment center and the group I was running. So we would talk a lot about fierce compassion because when I would talk about boundaries, uh, they would often feel as though it was mean to set these boundaries or set a boundary at all. It felt mean and harsh to them. And I said, no, it's about fierce compassion. Compassion can exist. And then they would say, well, compassion's too soft. And I would say, no, you can set a boundary and still be very loving. You can be compassionate, but with a fierceness where you still protect yourself. You can wrap that all up into a big ball where you're taking care of yourself and the people you're setting boundaries with still feel respected and cared for by you, but they understand that that's a necessary thing for you to say yes or no to with setting that boundary. And you're compassionate while doing so, but yet it's boundaried. And so they believe you, it's empowered. It's not mean, it's not harsh. You know, boundaries are never mean or harsh. Boundaries are about protecting others from us and protecting ourselves from others, but it's always done in a way that I call being relational, which honors that we have a relationship and I want the person I'm setting the boundary with to feel respected and cared for it and to still want to be a part of my life. And so that's how we set it. And that's what I want people to do in the dating world. People that are newly newly single, widowed, uh, stepping out into an open dynamic, whatever, whatever the entry point is from which we enter this, we want to have boundaries and we want to have compassion but we can do it in a fierce way, which is still loving and we protect ourselves because it's a wild world out there. Let me tell you, I, I, I've participated in dating app world. Whew, it, it, it really is a punch to the gut. People are not loving, they're not kind, they're not thoughtful. Um, it's a mess, but we have to stay soft and I want us to stay open, but we need to set better boundaries. So that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. Like, what do you need to think about? Because it's not just about the emotional protection. It's also about the literal, physical, and financial because of some of these swindlers. Because there's a difference between someone who's just, you know, not the best partner or best person versus someone who's actively trying to harm you and steal from you, right? Very distinct position. Got to protect ourselves from both. That's the heartbreaking part is it's bad enough to have people's bad behavior and now we have people using these apps to steal. <laughs> I don't know why every profile is not mandated to be verified somehow. I think the app should verify everyone's profile. It's simple. You don't require background information. Easy technology as a way to do that. Make sure it's you. Anyhow, we're going to talk about that. So uh, stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. More to come, so don't go anywhere. All right, y'all. We are back. 
talking about how to take care of ourselves, protect ourselves it used to be just, well, physical safety was the thing too. Emotional safety. Now we have to worry about getting swindled. This is coming on the heels this topic of a uh, documentary called the Tinder Swindler. I saw it. It actually hurt my heart because I just saw these people that are being vulnerable and they're dating and looking for love and they're trusting and you don't imagine this is going to happen, but uh, homeboy defrauded them all out of $10 million. Oh my God, that hurts my heart. Uh, he was convicted, fraud, theft, for uh, forgery, served uh, five months. Uh, served five months out of 15, he was sentenced to jail in Israel. Yeah, I mean, it's really heartbreaking is these people just don't get their money back. And a lot of them are in wild financial debt. I think that's the biggest, you know, that's why like, you know, the prison system creates no justice. These people were still emotionally harmed, traumatized and financially, you know, destitute. So cool. He's going to jail, but that solves and resolves nothing. Right. So that's why we have to talk about these things. God bless. That's why I was saying the earlier segment, we have to learn how to set boundaries in a fierce, but compassionate way where we're still present. We're still staying soft. We're still staying open, but we're not setting ourselves up for any kind of harm. It's really difficult. And we want to believe that the people we're talking to are the people we're talking to. So number one, best practice that all these different articles and things I was looking at recommended was Google. It's not going to cure, solve, or protect you for everything, but Google. Um, with whatever information you have, take advantage of the internet, Google their name, picture search, see what comes up. Are, do they work where they said they work? Are they the person they say they are? Are they the age that they claim to be? Um, a lot of people, they'll give you their first name. They'll give you their job. That can be enough to find them. You can also type it into the Facebook search, their name, their location, their name, their job. You might be able to find them. It's a really good way to double check, especially because some of these apps don't mandate that everyone's verified. You want to make sure and you have a right to know that the person you're talking to is in fact the person that they're claiming to be, which is why there's a world in which I love things like FaceTime. You know, I, I don't think there's anything paranoid in saying, hey, we've been talking for a day or two. We're really enjoying each other. I'd love to get on FaceTime so we can connect. It's a very covert way to say that. Or, oh, you're walking your dog right now. Send me a photo. Call their bluff. If they're not the real person, they're going to have to find a photo of the person they're pretending to be walking their dog or whatever it might be, you know? Um, so I, I love the idea of picture sharing. I, I would never, and let me make this a rule that y'all absorb. I would never meet up with anyone or send anything to anyone if I hadn't been on the phone and or FaceTimed as well. That should always be stepping outside this topic. That should always be what you do before a date. Make sure you enjoy the time with that person before you get dressed, leave the house and have to sit maybe at a dinner table with them. Get them on the phone first or FaceTime. Make sure you're interested and attracted to them. And that's an important part. And I mean attraction on all levels. Uh, it's not just about safety. Are they who they say they are? But is this someone I want to spend time with? Because it's really hard to read that over a literal text. Um, you really need to sit before that person and the phone or FaceTiming can really help you better understand that. So utilize that, take advantage of that, mandate that we're living in that day and age that I'm not saying it's, um, bulletproof. There are still ways around that, but, um, it's, it's kind of one of the most accessible protective mechanisms we have. So make sure it's the person you think it is. So Google, 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 um, look at their social media. Most people do have social media for some younger generations, it's a red flag to them if they don't. But I, I love getting someone's Instagram handle or their Twitter handle to see what's important to them, to just get a better sense of their world, make sure they are, like I said, who they say they are. 
you learn a lot about someone that way too. You can assess compatibility socially. Also learn about their politics, their social world, what they like to do. Those things are pretty vitally important. Um, because again, we're, we're assessing not just physical compatibility, but also emotional and psychological, and then also social. You know, Do we like to do the same kinds of things out in the world? Do we have the same kinds of friends? Not that difference isn't a beautiful thing, it is. You don't have to have those similarities, but you have to have respect and value them. And maybe you'll see that they do things you don't respect or things that aren't safe for you. Maybe they party and use a lot of drugs and alcohol and music festivals or circuit events and you're sober or you don't like crowds and big social spaces like that. So again, this would be something you'd wanna have a sense of of time take advantage of those resources that's why picture sharing facetime social media are all really beautiful vital things take advantage of them um the next tip is don't overshare <laughs> when you're first meeting someone i know we sometimes want to flood them uh but i i want this to be about emotional safety and financial physical safety so the oversharing is about not giving out too much personal data but it's also not about anxiously sharing things that they haven't earned the right to know about or the right uh, or, or 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 they haven't earned your trust around them we don't want to disclose really problematic triggering or colorful things too soon people have to earn their way in um we let people into the outer rings this is where we talk about boundaries we don't want to be boundaryless and some people are because they're anxious or they're really excited about someone or they need they want to get permission that some element of them or their lives is okay and so they want to get right out there i think there's some things that maybe fall under the category where it's reasonable other ones it's more anxiety we'll we'll talk more about it when we come back um we're going to do some dms and then we'll circle back and keep talking about boundaries and oversharing it'll protect you save your bank account stick around you're listening to love line with dr chris on channel q and odyssey we'll be right back all right y'all we are back and now it's time to slide into those dms sliding into the dms since i say dr chris just started dating this woman she's 28 has a five-year-old daughter thing is she doesn't live with the daughter interesting the daughter lives with her grandmom my girl's mom. Okay, cool. Thank God she has her, you know. My girl has her own apartment downtown, and she says that she sees the daughter, but I don't know when, because over the past few weeks, all of her time has been spent with me and crashing in my place. Interesting. I don't know if it's too soon to ask, but I really want to know what the deal is. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing. I'm kind of curious as well, but hey, who knows? Uh, especially considering I'm in a position where I want to be serious and settle down. Is it my business to ask? Heck yeah. I mean, I, I, that shouldn't be an offensive question if you don't pose it offensively and you don't mean it offensively. I think it's a very fair uh, curiosity to be like, hey, um, you spend a lot of time with me. I know she haven't seen your daughter. Like how often do you get to see her? Pose it in a non-accusatory way, which is really what I hope it is for you is not, and not an accusation or an implication that this person's a bad mom. I, I don't know what the deal is. Um, but I think as you're getting into a relationship with someone and you maybe see it moving towards getting really serious, it's reasonable to want to understand what role her daughter plays in her life because that's going to be brought into your life. Um, so I think that there's something completely okay about that. Uh, yeah, so so ask. Just ask non-accusatorily. Um, all right, we got a time for another one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline. I know this is kind of silly question, but this new guy I'm seeing is obsessed with astrology. A lot of people that are in astrology tend to go all in and real deep with it. Back to your question. You said, I'm talking like he ran our compatibility before we had our first date. All right, 
you know, you work with the tools you got. And if I was into astrology, I'd probably be doing all that, but I don't know anything about it. It's just not something that's that interesting to me. Um, anyway, you said that he ran your compatibility before you even met and agreed because the reading was good or something like that. Yeah. See, there's the, there's the flaw. I don't think these things are, um, what's the word I want to say? Uh, I think that there's, there's room for interpretation. And I think that we're more than just these static traits. Uh, psychology tells us that we are contextual, situational, and relational, that who we are will change based on the person we're in a relationship with. If we're healthy, cause we're playing off of them, it's co-created. And so every relationship I'm in, different parts of myself are brought forward and different parts of myself are suppressed as a result of who I'm with. If I'm with, if I'm with someone who's more uh, outgoing and joyful than I am, that's going to have one version of me versus someone who's maybe more quiet, another part might emerge. I'm different with my clients as I am with my friends, as I am with my mom, right? Like we're all these different parts and it's based on our mood, what's going on. So like, it's a little bigger than that. Anyway, back to your question. You said, he seems like a good guy, but it seems like a little much. Am I reading too much into this? I don't know. It remains to be seen. That could have been all it took is, you know, he just needed to know that you're compatible astrologically and then he's all in. Um, I think you kind of got to, you got to kind of throw it back to him. I'd be honest about it. Like, Hey, I'm not into astrology. You are, you told me you had to run our compatibility before you went on a date with me. How else in the future might you apply astrology to our relationship? You know what I mean? I think it's a very honest thing to ask. Like how much does that matter? Is it enough to know we're compatible? Is there more to come with that? Maybe you'll have something really interesting and reasonable. You know, some people use astrology to better understand what their work might be or or what a partner might expect, and it becomes an enhancement and a positive tool. But sure, anything can be used against us and weaponized and misused. So I think it's very fair for you to say in what role, in what other ways does astrology show up? But more importantly, if you think they're great, hang in there and deal with it. See, it, it could just, it's like dating someone who's into sports. Like that could be something that's obnoxious and gets in the way, or it could be just be something that you get brought into. And it's an interesting thing that you learn about. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It really depends on their relationship to it and how they use it. So I wouldn't see that as a deal breaker. If anything, it's a red flag, which means you want to get more information and track it, but I don't even think it's a red flag. Um, it's like when people, someone wanted to date me and they're afraid I'm going to misapply psychology. Psychology doesn't really work like that. It's not mind control. Um, and you know, I wouldn't want someone to make those assumptions cause I'm a person first. So I think that this is a little bit of a parallel process. So anyway, let me know how it goes. All right, y'all, uh, coming up next, uh, DMS first. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMS on our level energy page, questions, topics, we are channelq.com. That's where you want to go to check out past episodes, but we got more to come. So don't go anywhere. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're talking about how to date safely in this wild, wild, wacky, dangerous world. Talking about taking advantage of uh, Google and the research skills, you know, type it out. Drop some of their photos in the search bar, type in their name, what they do. We're not trying to be creepers. This is us actually looking out for ourselves. There's a lot of people that use fake profiles, catfishing completely. It is not them. Other people are using profiles and accounts that reflect who they were maybe a long time ago. Uh, I have a lot of friends and clients who, again, have gone out and the person looked completely different. They're now 10 years later. I get it. We live in a culture of ageism and all these requirements for desirability standards, but that is not a fair thing to do to someone else. It's called informed consent, right? And we talk a lot about that in terms of just 
well, psychotherapy and medical uh, procedures and medication where everyone's aware of the benefits, the negatives, but we also apply that to sex. Someone cannot consent to sex with you if they don't know what it is that they're coming in contact with or what might be happening. And that's why we talk about disclosing STDs and STIs, but this is part of it as well. Someone can't consent to a date if you're misrepresenting the person that, they, that they're saying yes to. So you've then not gotten consent from them. They're going on a date they think with the person in that photo. And if it is now you 10 years later or someone else, that does not fall under that principle. So it's very fair and understandable for someone to arrive at the date and say, I'm out. I'm out. This is not what I consented to. Um, they don't They don't owe someone anything. So as rough and as tough as it might be, use photos that reflect who you are and how you look. That has to be the bare minimum. And again, I wish all apps would mandate some verification system, which can be done very easily because some of them do offer it. But I want people to Google, ask questions. That's why I say over and over and over, get them on FaceTime before you go on a date. And if someone is unwilling, I always say first, my the process I offer to my patients and my friends is first you talk on the app. Um, and this is different in real world because if you're meeting someone out in real time, it's a little bit different. You can actually see them, you know who they are, but you text for a while on the app, then you exchange numbers, which does become a threshold where if someone's willing to exchange numbers, they are showing a little bit more interest. Then you get them on the phone so you can hear their voice and see what it's like to spend time with them. If you can't tolerate them through a phone call, you are not gonna wanna go hiking to the movies or to dinner. And I also recommend before you meet them, out in the world to also get them on FaceTime. And if someone is telling you, I can, I won't, peace, I'm out. There's no reason why someone can't get on the phone or can't FaceTime and maybe even provide you their IG so you can take another look. We live in a time of a lot of dangerous things. Now, the other thing we talk about is telling someone where you're going. This is for hookups. Uh, this is for also sex workers. This is for people also going on dates with someone they don't know. Send someone in your life all the information you have, a photo of the person, the place you're going, and any other identifying information. Set it up with a friend where they know without any questions asked that if they receive a photo or some information, they'll already know what it is that you're sending to them. Maybe you even say to them, hey, I'm gonna check in in an hour, and if you don't hear from me, come look for me. <laughs> I know it sounds intense, but I'm hearing wild, wild, wild stories, and we even hear even more horrific ones in the news sometimes. So do let someone know where you're going. We should never just be going somewhere showing up without anyone else being aware of where we're going. And also meet them in public, meet them out and leave them out, which means we don't go to anyone's home, we don't get picked up, we meet them at the site of the coffee shop, the restaurant, the movie theater, or the hiking area, and then we leave them there. Anyone seriously interested and available in dating will be open and understanding of that. Anyone that's pushing on that, and wanting you to take more risks is someone who's pushing and trying to force something else. Again, someone healthy will be willing to meet you in public. And uh, it's the best way to take care of yourself. So those are the two things I would definitely focus on is again, doing the research, Googling, making sure it's them, getting them on the phone, getting them on um, FaceTime, letting someone know where you're going, and uh, also meeting them in public. Why? because that's our best bet for us to be able to take care of ourselves. I've told you stories that we've all heard, but I always tell you all the time when I'm spending time at different coffee shops and cafes that I've seen people, even in public, with other, people's, other people around them, still trying to force themselves on someone. Not uh, in maybe such a direct overt way that's visible to everyone, but I can see it in even micro ways 
where the person won't stop trying to initiate conversation or getting their attention when the other person is clearly showing consistent signs of lack of interest or discomfort. So again, that lack of consent again. We're really trying to bring more of that home. Um, healthy people are not going to be comfortable making someone else uncomfortable. Healthy people don't want to go on a date or be with someone who isn't interested in being with them. Healthy people want everyone to be happy with what's happening, and if not, they exit. And that comes from both ends. Um, all right, we're going to come back and keep talking about some things to consider to keep yourself safe, safe Excuse me, with internet dating and dating in general. Um, it hurts my heart that we have to even talk about these things, but yes, that is the world, unfortunately, that we live in. So, um, we'll be doing that. And then of course, DMs, excuse me, wide open. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want to talk about, circle back to drop deeper into whatever's on your mind. Let us know you're helping someone else as you're helping yourself out, you know? Take advantage of that. Don't just be a taker. And then we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes of Loveline. We'll be back though. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about ways to protect ourselves during dating. Oof, I know. Uh, we talked about meeting out in public, getting them on the phone, doing a little research. Another one is providing your own transportation, which kind of goes with meeting them out and leaving them out. Someone coming to your house or you being dependent on someone to get you home could put you in some really dangerous situations or predicaments. Drive yourself for the first date at least, if not more than them, more than that. It's okay. Get yourself there. Get yourself home. But being dependent upon someone else, although some people think it's chivalrous, I think it's risky and I think it's dangerous. And no one should actually be responsible for the full transportation in the beginning. I know I wouldn't. If I don't know someone or we haven't gone on a date before, you're going to you're gonna meet me there. That for me is just out of convenience. You know what I mean? But it also becomes sort of a safety mechanism as well. I don't think people really bat an eyelash at stuff like that anymore, right? Like we're all very aware of what's going on. We're all very reasonable. I hope. Um, another one that I think is kind of important and we're not victim blaming, but we are taking accountability for maintaining a sense of control and safety while first going out with someone, stay sober. I thought that was awesome. Yes, a lot of people like alcohol to be involved in a first date or maybe all their dates, but to make sure that uh, everyone's taken care of and actually getting yourselves home safely as well and maintaining your limits, whatever that means, maybe don't go do things that involve alcohol. I'm a non-drinker. I don't do anything that involves alcohol. And so if I go on a first date, it is usually maybe a daytime date. I don't do dinners for a first date. I want to understand what it's like to spend time with this person before I commit to something like that. That's just me. That's my social anxiety. We'll meet for a quick coffee. We'll meet for a hike. We'll meet for a walk. That's my jam. And if that's not comfortable for someone, well, then peace out. Um, you're allowed to date from your comfort level, not knowing this individual and then being a little bit of a stranger. But I think sobriety is a really important thing in the beginning. Get to know the real them and let them get to know the real you, not the intoxicated version of you, which is not the real you. Alcohol doesn't bring out a more honest version of you. It sometimes brings out a little more honesty. Sometimes it brings out dishonesty. It also brings a little bit of sloppiness. Sometimes it also drops your inhibitions and your judgment. It's a hybrid of things. So it's not like, oh, when I drink, I just bring out the more honest part. No, you don't. It's sometimes the more obnoxious part, you know, the more amplified part. So I think it's better to do things and to go places where they can hear you, they can see you. I was never a fan of people going to like loud bars or restaurants in the beginning. It's very uncomfortable. And I think it's okay to want to do something non-sober based. We talked a lot about this when we were really in the heat of COVID for people that still wanted to keep dating the person they were dating or wanted to start dating, meet them out. 
we weren't going into public spaces. We weren't being around large numbers of other people. So they were, I was telling people to go on a picnic, picnic, meet them out, leave them out, meet them at a park, go for a walk. Like I said, picnic where you're just having a little bit of food and some coffee, meet them outside at a place that has an outdoor seating area. I don't, it depends on the climate and the place you live, but there's most places have things like that, walking paths, parks. But again, I would do, I would do it somewhere public. I wouldn't go somewhere that, you know, I I don't want to be, I watch a lot of those crime shows, so I don't want to weave in examples like that because I know that those are the more rare examples, but those are still legitimate examples. My God, I watch some of these wacky dating shows and uh, yeah, it reminds you of what's possible. So this is why all of this is really relevant. No one saw any of that coming. Um, Here's another important one because a lot of this again was born out of this show called the Tinder Swindler, which is about this guy who misrepresented himself to multiple women and stole hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars from all of them. Don't give out personal information. Don't go lending this person money. Uh, this person that you've never like really seen or spent time with and uh, dating scams. It's a real thing. No one will ever need your bank account information. No one should ever need your social security number and don't be lending money to someone you don't know. No matter how much you love them, no matter how much they say they need it. Don't, don't, don't listen. Don't believe it. <laughs> I want people to put their health first, their safety first as well. It's a mess that all this stuff actually is real though. All the articles I looked at mentioned at some point that money requests are a red light. It's a red flag. Why would someone need to borrow money off of someone they don't know or just met? There's no reason to ask anyone for financial institution information, et cetera, et cetera. Bank account information. That's when you should check out. And a lot of them keep saying, uh, when in doubt, bow out. I thought that was really great. When in doubt, peace out. You know, you don't have to stick around in a situation that doesn't feel comfortable for you. So that's why I would also say plan. Maybe if you're unsure, you plan the date, you pick the spot, you pick the place, you pick the time. That's another way to really assert a sense of control. And if this other person is interested, they're not going to mind that. But someone who's overly invested in a certain place and time, that could be a little bit of a red flag. Um, So make sure you apply some of these tactics. I mean, here's another thing just to like bring out dating compatibility. Difficulty and complexity really brings a person's deeper self to the surface, which is why people talk about traveling together and things like that to really get a sense of how compatible they are. And, you know, changing plans and and shifting things around is another way to figure out how interested is this person in you? How good are they at regulatory skills and all of that? And a lot of them that really, a lot of the research and the articles that really skew more about trying to protect you from scams, talk a lot about being thoughtful about long distance and overseas relationships, um, that they can happen, but it's an unlikely way for a relationship to start offline. And so be very, very, very thoughtful. And then again, going around to not sharing bank information. They talk a lot about not sharing photos stuff from your private life. I mean, there's a lot of paranoia in it, but unfortunately there's a lot of reason, you know, a lot of, what do you just say? Like reason, reasonableness. It's very reasonable to uh, be thinking in these terms. I, I can't tell you when I was doing the research for this topic, the flood of articles that come up with people that have been burned was quite heartbreaking. So this is a real thing that's happening more, more so than we even realize. All right. We're going to come back and finish up talking about this, and then we're going to do some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to. And uh, we are channelq.com. It's where you want to go to check out past episodes. 
scroll down, look for Love Line, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. But more importantly, y'all, we got more to come. So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we're back and we're talking about the dangers of dating, specifically online. Uh, one study showed that 55% of people uh, that date online have experienced some form of threat or problem. 55%. Uh, that's anything from IT security incidents to meeting up with people that weren't who they claimed to be or even being rejected by potential matches. But... <sighs> Yeah, that's reasonable. That's going to happen. The data suggests that men put themselves at risk more than women. Interesting. Um, yeah, they all talk about going slow, doing it in public. But I thought it was interesting that more men do it, take uh, more risk. I guess women ugh, are more aware of the risks, unfortunately, and have experienced many. And so maybe are um, better able to take care of themselves at this point, which is really unfortunate that someone has to think in those terms. Um and then they get into just some of the love bombing stuff like, hey, here's some red flags. Uh, someone says, I love you within a few days. Ugh. They warn you about themselves. Yeah, if someone warns you about themselves, listen. <laughs> uh, they won't send you photos of any kind. Exactly. They won't get on the phone. These are like beyond. Uh, they give you vague answers. Yeah, I know. Um, and here's the thing. Uh Research says one third of all people who use online dating sites have never actually gone on a date with someone they met online. Isn't that interesting? So about one third are just kind of floating on there. Not everyone that's on there is actively even dating. Um, and we saw that even with, I was looking at research on Grindr where everyone thinks, oh, look at all these people hooking up and having sex. It was something like 20% meet up with someone. The other 80% are just sitting there, bouncing around, maybe a little bit of chat. And then here we're seeing that on dating apps, about one third of them actually never do anything with it. So, you know, safety isn't really going to be about the app itself. It's going to be more about how you really enter into that. Um, the things you ask, the way you guard yourself, how you protect yourself. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, the articles are endless. And it's so easy. Right now, this one uh, stat is saying that there's, ready for this? This is kind of shocking. Uh, there are over 2,000 online dating sites in the U.S. alone. What? How, 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 what? I'm shocked. You hear the same couple one, the same couple uh, sites over and over. And I know that there's really specific ones about, you know, if you're wanting to date a farmer or an athlete and they get really, really, really specific, but over 2000, that is wild. Um, before the pandemic began, 30% of all U.S. adults said they've used online dating sites before. Wow. And among folks who have never married, that number goes up to 52. Yeah, that's wild. So yeah, trustworthy sites though. I really don't know how you'd even break that on down because there's not much these sites can do. Uh, they're saying if you, you use more reputable sites like Tinder, Bumble, eHarmony, OkCupid, they're better at protecting, helping you protect your information and some require fee, but that doesn't necessarily by any means rule out the kind of people that are on there. Um, yeah. And between 2016 and 2020, uh, the number of romance scams tripled. And we hit a number of $304 million worth. Is that wild? $304 million worth of romance scams. And it's tripled. Oof. It's heartbreaking because you really, really, really want to believe that 
anyone on these sites is taking it seriously. Because I think that was hard enough when I first saw some of that research that some people just kind of swipe yes on everyone. And then based on who they match with, they then decide from that. So there's people who get excited, start a conversation. It doesn't go anywhere. And I was kind of just thinking more of the emotional, psychological. And then you hear about the romance scams and the identity theft and the um, rates of like violence and sex crimes. And it's just like, whoa. But again, you know, that's humans being humans. That's the way some of us move through the world. And of course, we then take that onto these apps, which is why we have to protect ourselves. But I'm always talking about more care and compassion. But I want to just end with this. Don't don't take this to be <laughs> uh, a warning to not use the apps because these are still not the most common things. Yes, a high number of people have dealt with issues, but those issues included things like rejection, right? And that's going to be part of it. So these are still uh, really meaningful ways that a lot of people are trying to enter the dating world. And again, if you're offline, it's easier. You can actually see the person. You can see what they look like. You can see if they're who they claim to be. You still have to be thoughtful, though, about letting people go know where you're going and um, you know, providing your own transportation, being very thoughtful about <laughs> your drink, uh, making sure no one's putting anything in it. it hurts my heart to have to say that, but we're also seeing at least in LA rises in that again. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a wonder anyone actually leaves the house at this point. You know, you have to worry about getting COVID. You have to worry about monkeypox. You have to worry about someone putting something in your drink. Uh, someone trying to scam you. God bless it. You know what I mean? Maybe someone coming with an assault rifle. Like that's a real thing. We're, we're seeing many of those things still happen. They're just not getting reported in the news because they're not as big of a break in the, in the news and we're getting more familiar with them. Horrifying times, y'all. We got a lot of work to do. Um, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So as always, you know the drill. Put them in there. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit. We are channelq.com. It's where you want to go to check out past episodes of the show. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. Binge, post, re-listen, and share because we've got to get in the habit of hearing some of that better messaging, unlearning, and relearning. We'll be back, though, so stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Channel Q and Odyssey will be back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my boyfriend and I are cishet, which means cis hetero, uh, known about, uh, have known each other for about a decade. Oh, that's beautiful. We've been exclusively dating for a year. We casually dated, hooked up for years prior. However, a few years ago, I found out he had a girlfriend who had been living with him for years and thought he was monogamous. I was horrified to be the other woman cut contact with him for about a year. We eventually reconciled, have both done a lot of healing and growth and are happily coupled and big fans of your work. Ah, thank you. He's naturally non-monogamous and I'm okay with it, but I'm demisexual, demisexual and not interested in it myself. Demisexual for those that aren't familiar is someone whose sexuality or arousal tends to come online, their sexual desire after having maybe formed a bond or a relationship or getting familiar with them, it kind of grows. Where For some people, it's spontaneous from the door. Others, it's more phrase sexual, which means the more intimate and familiar and close they get, it actually tapers off versus growing. And those are people that do best in open, non-monogamous styles, where someone like this individual who's more demisexual really thrives sexually within commitment and uh, getting to know someone. Um, anyway, so he's naturally non-monogamous. You're okay with it. You're demisexual, not interested in yourself. Cool. I love when everyone understands who they are, what their needs are. And what's really important for us to be very transparent about what our sex, how our sexuality operates so as to make sure that you know our partners don't take it personal. They understand what they're getting involved in. We can have confidence, all that stuff. So the two of you sound like you have really good communication. I love that. He's been accused by others of being a sex addict for his past behavior. I'm sorry that, 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 you know, made up mythic label. Here's an example of how it gets applied. Oh, that person is non-monogamous or struggles with monogamy. They must be addicted to sex. Oh dear God, knock it off. Um, okay. So he's been accused toxically as being a sex addict. I'm sorry to hear that his friends are made nervous by his sex life. Um, and you're, uh, so wait, he's been accused by others being sex addicts for his past behavior. And your writing in that regard has shifted my mindset and helped me feel or helped him let feel less shame. Awesome. Awesome. My question is, do you have advice for how to introduce non-monogamy into a relationship when only one partner is interested in it? I have an open mind, but I struggle with possessiveness, insecurity, and I want to evolve past that. Oof, there's a lot in there. I appreciate your desire to push on your edges, to grow, change, evolve. Um, every, I have my, my, my answers are going to be a little annoying. Um, everyone's going to need something different. So I would say you first need to sit down and figure out where your anxieties and insecurities come from to try to figure out how to resolve them. Um, also don't think that if we are made to feel insecure or jealous, that means whatever we're doing is wrong or our partner's done something wrong or our relational style is wrong. You know, you might be one of those people who will consistently have to battle a little jealousy or insecurity when in a non-monogamous relationship. But I think it's really about you requiring 
requesting maybe some of the reassurance you need, um, getting on the same page as to what kind of a non-monogamy would be most meaningful for you, um, not feeling anxious about vocalizing jealousy if and when it occurs. Um, here's the thing, there's a lot of beautiful work and books out there on non-monogamy and they walk you through all the different kinds of styles and structures and it can get a little complicated because um, again, this is some people's life's work where they're breaking down the different styles, configurations. So basically your question was, do you have advice for how to introduce it? I would say number one, talk about what your expectations are, talk about what you think your, your limits and boundaries are, test it knowing that what doesn't work can always be changed and updated and it's, it's about growing into it. It's also about acknowledging that what works at one point might not work at another point. So it's really about, again, looking at what you think you need, uh, testing it as you go, really having great open communication to talk about what you need to change. Um, and I also think it's really great to work with a therapist who's very well versed in ethical non-monogamy, polyamory, and all of that, so they can help problem solve. So that's kind of my annoying answer. I, my best advice is to start with a couples therapist who's trained in this, and they can help you figure out what you need, how to work with your jealousy, how to not shame it et cetera, et cetera. So that's my advice. And I luckily don't give that often where I'm like, just go to therapy. But I'd also say pick up some of those books because there's really no starting point that I think is great for everyone. But I think you've already done that first step, which is open communication around it. So I know my answer is kind of a non-answer, but there's just nothing really that global that I think works for everyone. So like I said, look at some of the books, see what works for you, what doesn't, and, and work with a really great therapist on it. Because I think that's where we can learn about ourselves through that process and really um, enhance our relationship around it, you know? Um, Past episodes are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. Binge, post, re-listen, because we got to do that training. Got to practice, right? The quality of our lives and the quality of our mental health is tied to the uh, quality of our practice. But, you know, we'll be back tomorrow, so join us then. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. Drop the bar. We're doing 70% so we don't burn out, you know? All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. Be kind with yourselves, others as well. Enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.